And that's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. The ability of CO2 to do the heavy work of creating a climate catastrophe is almost nil at this point. The price of oil has been artificially elevated to the point of insanity. That's not how you power a modern industrial system. The ultimate goal of this renewable energy you know, plan is to reach the exact same point that we're at now. You know who's tried that? Germany. Seven straight days of no wind for Germany. Uh, their factories are shutting down. They really do act like weather didn't happen prior to like 1910. Today is Friday. It is indeed Friday and welcome to yet another edition of CCR's Climate Change Roundtable number 74 on a series. We today are going to be talking about something across the pond. Yes, we're going to the UK to talk about Climate lockdowns, believe it or not, there was um, an interest in the British populace to have climate lockdowns or kind of coinciding with the whole COVID thing. And guess what? Maybe they don't like it so much anymore. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but first, let's introduce our regulars and our guests today. We have with us, of course, Dr. Sterling Burnett and Linnea Lucan, and from the UK, the founder of CAR26, Lois Perry, who will be talking about the climate lockdowns. Welcome to all of you. Hi. Good to be on again. Yeah, it is. So we're going to jump right in and go to some of the craziest climate stuff this week. Yes, the big bag of climate stuff is what we're going to be talking about. You know, we've got um, uh, all kinds of different topics. First of all, Bernie Sanders is saying that, well, that's not Bernie, but we'll take it. The world is burning. Here's how we stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How many of you have gone outside today and discovered that your lawn is on fire, you know, or your car's being torched, unless you happen to own an EV, for example? Um, you know, it's just nonsense beyond nonsense, the stuff that the media has been broadcasting lately. I mean, they've turned into a doomsday cult, literally, talking about the world being on fire, and it's nowhere close to it. It's not even... Not, yeah. More Comments? importantly, I mean, more importantly, it's like when they talk about the fires, they talk about, well, they they talk about Canada and, and Greece and the, you know parts of the U.S. currently have some fires. Well, we have something called fire season every year, <laughs> and and what the climate trends show is that uh, they're getting less and less severe. That that less of the planet is burning annually every year than burned the year before. Um, and this is during the you know period of climate change, so it's it's hard to understand what they're talking about unless they're saying climate change is causing uh, reduced wildfire. In which case, mm -hmm. well, you know, we might have a debate discussion. I think it's I think as well the skepticism is increasing. I don't know about the wildfires, but the skepticism is increasing in terms of the public. I mean, especially in the UK, you know, when you're hearing about people being charged with arson uh, for these fires, when the BBC has been saying, oh, you know, this is a sign of climate change. And then the public are hearing, you know, as I say, that people are being charged for deliberately setting them off. The skepticism is on the, is off the richer scale now. It, it really is. When I'm talking to people in London, all over the country, you know, they're, they're raising their eyebrows in a way that they wouldn't have done a couple of years ago. 
I really do think the media are overplaying their hand now. Tell me, Lois, uh, I believe that uh, England right now is feeling a little bit of autumn. Is that correct? Yeah, it's been quite nippy. Uh, you know, we're all supposed to be um, global boiling, uh, but no, it's, um, it's it's been pretty chilly, but that suits me because I'm a spring and autumn fashion kind of girl. So, yeah. yeah. Cold, <laughs> but, cold you know, and rainy yeah. is not your typical late July, early August uh, in England, so... No, no, it, it really isn't. And so that what our media has done is it's done, well, it's, they've been ticked off actually in the last couple of weeks. Actually, a, a, a good friend of mine who, who runs the biggest political party in the UK, third biggest, the Reform Party, uh, which Nigel Farage is the honorary chairman of, who's a big supporter of Car 26, actually. He actually got it out there that the BBC had started using earth uh, temperature satellite data as opposed to um, the, the Met Office traditional data, which is, as I'm sure you're very well aware, is the temperature taken two metres above ground. So, um, you know, they were trying to make it look like uh, Europe, we were freezing, but Europe was boiling. And um, in actual fact, you know, it, it really wasn't. The temperatures were not abnormal at all. So we've got... Um... You know, this uh, before, can we go back to that previous headline for just a second? Thank you, Andy. The world is burning. Here's how we stop. And I wanted to point out that lots of news organizations have been saying things like burning and boiling and, you know, all kinds of doom populist types headlines. I think what the media's got going on here is global pyromania. <laughs> That's what they've got. <laughs> they've got a case of that. All right, let's move on to the next one. Women this week, climate change perpetuates inequality for women. <laughs> so, Lois and Linnea, I would like to ask you, do you feel that climate change is creating inequality for you? I mean, are you not experiencing temperature in the same way that the men are experiencing it? I mean, you know, cold all the time. Is that what's going on? Anthony, this is just kind of a common refrain for the progressives, especially. What magazine is this? Uh, oh, Council, Council for, for Foreign, Foreign Relations. It's not even, oh my goodness, it's there. It's a magazine that is uh, supposed to be, I don't know, reasonable. But then if you've ever seen the United Nations women's uh, Twitter account, then you'll know that they are big fans of making any disaster into a uh, woman-focused disaster. You know, the entire planet is burning, but women are burning worse kind of a situation. Uh, it's nonsense, obviously. I know what kind of argument that they make is that, you know, women are affected because um, in, the, in the third world, especially because they have the uh, majority of the childcare duties, women who are pregnant um, are a little bit more temperature sensitive, typically, than even women who aren't pregnant, that kind of thing. Um, but I would, this is just, <laughs> this is just silly stuff. Um, it's a climate-focused human interest piece. Um, there's no reason for them to have the climate element in a, you know, people in the third world are struggling kind of a story. No, I completely agree with you. Yet they're struggling anyway, full stop, you know, and, and thus ever was. But um, I present a show on uh, Rupert Murdoch's TV station in the UK called Talk TV. And we were talking about the things that are done in the name of Net Zero, 
do sometimes disproportionately affect women though for example if you disenfranchise women in terms of having their own vehicle and transportation that will disproportionately affect young women or all women's ability to feel safe when they're driving out at night or if they've got small children and things like that so i would argue that it's the net zero and things that are done in the name of the net zero gender do sometimes disproportionately affect women but not climate change itself but as you say uh, another nonsense I, I, well I, you know i would say if they're concerned about the plight of women or mm -hmm. uh the poor and children in developing countries and i think they rightly should be um, then what we know, we actually know what to do and it has nothing to do with climate change. It has to do with economic development. Quit suppressing their ability to get out of energy poverty. Allow yes. them to develop power plants so that they don't have to walk and, and, and clean water supplies. So they don't have to walk hours a day, uh, carrying water. And so they don't die from, uh, indoor air quality problems from burning dung and wood. Let yes. them have the development on their coast that is as robust as what we have in the West so that when a hurricane hits, rather than thousands dying, you know, a, 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 a few dozen who ignore all the warnings yeah. uh, die. Uh, help them get rich. That is the best defense against climate change, whatever the cause. Well said, Sterling. All right, let's go on to the next climate crazy story this week. Yes, California waves have grown a foot taller because of climate change. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Gosh. You know, Isn't I, that I, good for surfers? <laughs> I was about to say, did they interview any surfers for this? They might be in favor. Yeah, I mean, the surfers are just terribly upset about this, I can tell. Um, but, you know, I read into this. I read this. I read the piece. They're not even measuring the wave height directly. They're using a proxy. They're using earthquake detectors to determine how the waves are crashing and therefore inferring that they're a foot higher. They didn't actually measure it. It's just, it's just rubbish science. And yet, you know, then of course the media is just running with it because they don't have the wherewithal to question it. Um, so tell me, over there in the UK, have you been inundated by these foot higher winds and, and, and <laughs> waves and stuff yet? We've been inundated with these nonsense stories. You know, I think some of these are just written with that AI system. They just put you know, climate change, <laughs> random wokey stuff and, you know, come up with these stories because, it, you know, it really does look like they're just throwing stuff together. I don't know if you agree with me, but is it, there is a little bit of a hint of desperation, I feel, with some of these stories now, you know? Like, this, no, to answer your question, Anthony, no, we have not had killer yeah. waves wiping out surfaces. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've been inundated with those stories. Written by AI, it's quite possible. I mean, AI can't tell the difference between climate change and an algorithm in most cases, and neither can some scientists. Um, I want to point out, that they're talking about California waves being a foot higher. Climate change, which used to be global warming, doesn't act locally. It's supposed to be global. And so just California getting foot higher waves? No. Oregon, yeah, Oregon and, and Washington State and Baja, California and Mexico, they have no effect, but California 
Yeah, th that makes a lot of sense. Right. Well, you know, that just it, it, it goes right into what the people who govern California think that California is mm -hmm. going to be inundated by the sea. We have to do something. You know, we have to stop allowing, uh, you know, gasoline cars and generators and all kinds of stuff. All right. So we've gone through the crazy rubbish. Let's look from look at some sensible stories for a change. Climate change obsession is a real mental disorder. This is from the WS Wall Street Journal. And I, I read through this, and I have to say, they're spot on. You know, I mean, we look at what the media has been pushing this week about, you know, the earth is on fire and global boiling from the UN secretary in charge of stupidity. And yet, what, what else could explain these kinds of headlines unless it's an obsession, a mental disorder? Um, I know in the UK, you've got you've got people that protest on a regular basis, Lois, that glue themselves to the roads and throw paint on artwork and all kinds of stuff. What do you think about this headline? Well, as my company grandmother would say, you know, sadly, some of these people that are doing these things are a sandwich short of a picnic, which means that, you know, they're... <laughs> they're not not the full bob which is another company saying um yeah i think some of them do have mental disorders um especially some of these protesters that are gluing themselves to the roads and throwing paint i mean so some of them you do actually look at them and feel a little bit sorry for because there is a cult element to well more than an element to this whole quasi-religious <laughs> climate catastrophe stuff and then some of them are genuinely distressed i mean a lot of them aren't, they're just there because they want to protest. But I always find it ironic that, you know, they're actually supporting the globalist agenda by protesting. That's not much of a rebellion. Hey, I'm going to support the massive corporates and all the big governments in the world. What a rebel. <laughs> you know, yes. it's just you just feel like shaking them. And they're quite often very middle class and quite posh and say, look, you know, Philomena, look, Tarquin, come on. I know mommy and daddy's got a massive, great big house and all of that. And you're not going to suffer. But there will be genuine people who want to get to work, who want to get to school, who can't get through because of your ridiculous behaviours. But in answer to your question, yeah, definitely mental disorder. I totally agree. Totally. It's a it's a far cry from the protesters of the 60s who were actually protesting <laughs> yeah. the big government and war. Now they're uh, supporting all this stuff. Uh and, and the press, to be fair, the press has gone along with it. The education system's gone along with it. Uh, among kids, this is a real problem when kids despair. But, you know, I see someone like uh, we we have Greta in the opening and the closing. And she when she spoke before the U.N., she said something to the effect of you have stolen my future. As far as I can tell, she's living better now than she was living before she first came on the scene as a climate uh, scold. Well, isn't she a communist that's worth hundreds of millions of pounds? <laughs> she, you know, her family's worth a lot of money now. Uh, yeah. So, so she's, yeah. she's living pretty work? well. Well, she, Sterling. She, she travels the world. Uh, her, her family. On yachts, right? But right. Um, it's, it's, I don't see her future robbed. I don't see well, to be, fair, Sterling, yeah, to be okay. fair, Sterling, to be fair, her her um, influence is dwindling. 
because you know she's no longer the cute little high schooler who's having school strikes every Friday, you know, and the media is kind of turning their attention away from her, and she's getting more and more desperate with her messaging. So maybe her future has been stolen just simply by what she's been doing and the lack of interest. <laughs> How dare you! By climate yeah. change. The, <laughs> to clarify, whole, though. To clarify, though, she said that you've stolen my childhood, my child. which and her her family was very wealthy before they started doing this. I and think, so I have no doubt that her family stole her childhood. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I, I, I think that's uh, all 18 million dollars. Well, that's the, practically poverty level by other billionaire standards. I think <laughs> I think the earth revolving around the sun stole her childhood because she got old. <laughs> there we go. All right, let's go on to our next climate story. This one is something we've been saying again and again and again. And it's also, again, from the Wall Street Journal, who's become a voice of reason as of late. Climate change has not set the world on fire. Now, this is from Jorn Lomberg, and he wrote a very good article talking about something we've talked about regularly on climate realism, about the fact that satellite data from NASA shows a decline in global fires. You can see the graph right there. And so this this rhetoric that the media is pushing about the earth being on fire, wildfires are getting worse, and so forth. Again, when you go back and look at real data, not models, not not hype, not doom casting, none of that stuff. If you look at real data, you find the claims are totally bogus, and they don't hold up. But then again, the media is still pushing this stuff as if it is real. Well, Comments, we've anyone? We've written about this dozens of times, uh, you know, uh, dozens of times. California, the United States, we have the data. Wildfires are down dramatically uh, to the extent that they've increased from the early part of the 20th century. Uh, to the extent that they've increased uh, modestly in the past few years, they still don't match where they were before. And that's due to changed management practices of forests yeah. and people moving to the new, we call it moving to the nuisance. Uh, and globally, it's clear wildfires are down in Canada. While it, despite a bad fire year there this year, wildfires are down. And they actually, the Canadians did a study and they blame, <laughs> blame, uh, they credit global greening as the reason. <laughs> Uh, global greening is the reason wildfires are down there that, 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 and more moisture in the soil. So things are getting better there. Things are getting better around the globe, but the headlines are getting worse. And well, that, that tells you all you need to know right there. So hang on a yeah. minute. I thought the global warming was going to lead to, you know, mass devastation, no crops. And then suddenly there's more greening, there's more crops. And then that's a problem. So, you know, if there's greening, there's a problem. If there's no plants there's a, and food, there's a problem. If it's snowing, there's a problem. If it's not snowing, I, every you know, it's exhausting, isn't it? It's totally exhausting. Well, we I saw a... someone. I saw someone in the comments under a Twitter post similar to um, this conversation who said, "You know what? The Greens really should be advocating for is just dipping the Earth in liquid nitrogen to preserve it, right where it is, in perfect stasis, right now." That'll be their ideal situation. Oh, I feel no, like no, if no. they're if they're searching for a planet with no change, what they need is the sun to go out. No, yeah. no, that that's not that's not fair, Linnea. They don't want what right now. They want the 1820s or yeah. the well, 1750s or some 
ideal state in the past where the birds, you know, the, the lions laid down with the lambs. There was no meat eating <laughs> and all the plants, it was, the world was lush and there was no air pollution. And there was also, you know, and they say this, a lot fewer people because we're a cancer on the earth. That's where they'd want to freeze. Speak it, for yourself, right? Flair Sterling. <laughs> What's that? What's that? I do agree with you about them wanting to go back in time, but I don't think it's because of any sort of ideological thing to do with how the world, the world and nature's working. I believe it's because there was no middle class. Uh, there was the work, there was the, the serfs, the bottom, and there was the lards at the top. And, uh, you know, there wasn't much middle class in between, um, well, certainly not in, in the UK. Um, so, you know, that's what they want to go back to. So I agree with you. They do want to go back in time, but I believe for uh, political reasons, nothing to do with uh, saving yeah. the planet. Yeah, I agree with you, Lois. The whole thing is exhausting. I mean, you know, one day it's this, the next day it's this, and they never remember what they said, you know, a couple of years <laughs> ago. It just back and forth and back and forth. And any change that looks abnormal to them becomes part of the climate crisis. And that's that's part of why... You know, I think the Wall Street Journal called this a mental disorder because when you're schizophrenic, everything's a threat, no matter what it is. You know, you see you see stuff everywhere. And uh, so we end up with that. All right. I mean, now we don't I think just last week, maybe the week before our entire uh, roundtable was on climate change causes everything. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it literally it's, does. It's, and diametrically and opposed things. It's climate change. Uh, Lois, there's a website in the UK that you may or may not be familiar with called numberwatch.co.uk. Uh, I think I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it was put together by a mathematician, and, and he's since let it go, but it's still got a lot of good references in it. It's a list of all the things that have been caused by climate change, citing all kinds of different media stories. And it's hilarious looking through it, you know, because it's like, Climate change causing uh, causing walrus to die. Climate change causing walruses to get fat. I mean, it's, it's just just all this back and forth stuff, totally contradictory that the media publishes. So yeah, it is exhausting looking through all that. All right, let's go through our final one here. Um, this is coming from the IPCC, a breath of fresh air and sensibility. The new head of the IPCC says, don't overstate the 1.5 degree centigrade threat. Well, he's right, because we've always pointed out on climate realism that we've already experienced 1.5 degree centigrade rise in temperature. If we look at like the central England temperature record, or the European temperature record, which goes much further back than the United States and Australian temperature records. In fact, that, that threshold that they created for um, you know, the Paris Accord, we've already breached it. And he's saying, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Well, gosh, what a sensible <laughs> idea, huh? Yeah, they were the ones that yeah. made the big deal of it in the first place, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, who who cared about 1.5 before the UN chimed in? Nobody. Uh, and, and before that, it was two. Now he's saying, you know, and even two, man, I'd be terrible. Uh, I think it's because the reality sunk in that we're going to surpass it. The world didn't end. And so people might say, oh, well, you know, you've been wrong about all this. Uh, let's just go on our merry way. So he's got, the, you know, the doomsday cult has to set the next death date. Yeah. yeah. 
it's a little bit of gaslamping as well, gaslighting. You know, that one minute, as you say, they're telling us, uh, you know, this is terrible. Then, oh, it's not so bad. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Wh which one is it? You know, but then, yeah, I mean, in this country, we're not actually um, going to be changing any of our targets on net zero, apparently, although the government is coming around to being less pro net zero at the moment because they recently lost a, 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 a by-election seat uh, on the basis of um, an anti-net zero sentiment. But, you know, so I, I do feel there's a little bit of um, gas lamping going on here. Well, so it's um, it's very frustrating when, especially like what Anthony said about them having such short memories, perhaps the memory is selectively short uh, because, <laughs> you know, I, I remember just as recent as last year, they were saying that 1.5 degrees was the threshold at which point the tipping points would start happening, where we had catastrophic, you know, cascading, um, massive ecological disasters. And now they're clearly not happening. Uh, yep. Give it a couple months, I guess, for the warming to settle, <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, just I what about all None those of the research disasters papers? they've predicted have ever happened? No. There are thousands of research papers that claim that claim using models that if we reach a 1.5 C change, that here is a cascading, here's a tipping point in the Atlantic, here's a tipping point in the Antarctic, here's a tipping point in Greenland on its own. Thousands making claims that certain um, zones or certain ecosystems are going to collapse at this temperature and and they are not going to take any responsibility for being provably wrong <laughs> about any of it well and there's the you know your very the very first example you used is a perfect case so it was either earlier this week or just last week you wrote an article about the atlantic right so the the article was oh the atlantic is uh slowing down and that's going to result in all sorts of disasters. And you point out that, well, all these, you, you, you said thousands of research, well, you know, dozens of research papers say the Atlantic's speeding up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but the one thing they have in common is whether the Atlantic's speeding up or the Atlantic's slowing down, whether there's more hurricanes or fewer hurricanes. Whether there's more crops or fewer crops, <laughs> the answer is always the same. Bigger government. Absolutely. More government and more intrusion in our lives. More taxes, yep. less liberty, less yep. movement. Yeah, it's always the solution, Sterling. Didn't you, you know, you must realize that it's always the solution. <laughs> and, and going back to the, you know, the protest you were, we talked about earlier, it's like back in the 60s, there was the, you know, the common phrase, uh, the bumper sticker you know, fight the man and uh, we're from the government. We're here to help. And that was a joke. Now yeah. they people just, it's like they've got blinders on and they just believe this stuff. It's not a yeah. joke anymore. They it, we're from the government. We're here to help. Oh, okay. Let me <laughs> open my door and allow you in. You can take out all my light bulbs and, and remove my stove and, now, well, Just Stop Oil, which is, um, I actually got them to admit on uh, GB News, which is like our Fox News, uh, that um, that I got them to admit that they were actually funded by oil money. <laughs> they actually admitted they were funded by one of the prominent members of the, of the Getty family. But um, unfortunately, they um, issued a statement about a month ago saying that they refused to appear on any television program which uh, Lois Perry is on. 
cowards. <laughs> so that's my claim to fame now. And and actually, also uh, Boris Johnson, our former prime minister, his father won't come on with me now. So um, I, I, apparently, I've got a bit of a reputation for for winning the argument. But I, I hope I'm not. I don't. You know don't cut off my nose to spite my face and end up having absolutely nobody <laughs> saying they'll come on with me. So maybe I need to tone it down a bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you mentioned that you got an, uh, an environmental group to admit they were funded by oil companies. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had a sim similar thing happen. Uh, one of our uh, Heartland Climate Conferences way back, I got accosted by a, a British TV outfit and i forget the name of them but this one guy he was just like he was headstrong on making me um admit that i'm being funded by fossil fuel interest i've never gotten a dime from any of these companies they don't even know who the hell i am you know <laughs> but this guy was was just absolutely focused on him and fortunately i have a good memory on these things and i posed back to him well wait a minute you know what about the fact that your organization is getting funded by, actually it was Greenpeace. It was Greenpeace TV. That's what it was. And, and I said, well, what about the fact that your organization is funded by fossil fuel interest? And he just, just basically shut up and went away. <laughs> he didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I talk about big green. I mean, everyone says all oh, big oil. Big green is, you know, it's, it's huge. And it's all using our money, tax taxpayers money because none of these renewables or any of these other scams work without our money tax yeah. tax dollars and tax pounds so uh yeah i think big green is a bit scarier than big oil but as as you say you know they fund they fund all this nonsense both sides do so yeah it's a scam <laughs> So um, we have um, that website that we ta I talked about earlier called Number Watch, and uh, Number Watch has all of these different comparisons on it. Here it is. I mean, it's just giant the giant honking list of things that are caused by global warming, and it's just it just <laughs> hilarious looking through these things. You know, um, I mean, uh, just nuts. But and some of the links have expired because some of these organizations have taken down some of the rubbish they published. But it it just literally thousands of contradictory statements made, you know, in the media about what is caused by global warming. You know, many of which are completely contradictory in in the same month. Even it it's just hilarious to watch. And um, so we'll. Uh, We'll get into our main interview now. Um, Lois, um, I want to uh, introduce Lois, who has founded um, this uh, CAR26 organization in October of 2021. And this is to coincide with COP26 in Edinburgh. And CAR26 stands for Climate Analysis and Reason. Um, and so, but there's no reason in the climate debate. So, you know, you've probably exactly. already That's figured that out, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So um, tell us a little bit about what your organization does and what it, what you hope to do in the future. Right. Well, CAR26, um, as you say, we started around COP26, uh, which was in Edinburgh in Scotland. And it was a little bit of an irreverent uh, name of it, you know, because slightly taking the mickey out of the whole COP26 thing. And we just wanted to raise awareness 
of what net zero policies actually meant for ordinary people um, in terms of uh, lifestyle, how it would affect uh, your, your family, your work, your, your, your way of life, absolutely everything. We also wanted to open a debate up with the science because when we started, that um, we work very closely with the GWPF and we have a lot of respect for what we, they do, which is another organisation in the UK. They're much more scientific, much more um, staid organisation. We're much more irreverent and funny. We poke fun. We're much more uh, consumer facing. But we use a lot of their information as well. But we wanted to just get it out there using humour, using polling, using lobbying, um, and lots, lots and lots of TV, uh, lots of um, radio broadcasts, just, just to get the message out there and to question the science. Because we were the only organisation, we still are actually one of the, the only organisation in the UK that questions the whole concept of man-made climate change full stop, with CO2 being the boogeyman. Uh, the other organisation, as I mentioned, doesn't do that. Uh, they're um, yeah. So our organisation has had some massive successes. Um, you know, our first lot of polling that we did around COP26 showed that 58% of those who expressed an opinion wanted a net zero referendum. I mean, and that was that was two years ago, nearly now. And so you can imagine it. I mean, we have done it again, and it was considerably high. We will do it again. I imagine it will be higher still. But our polling was actually put to the Prime Minister at the time, Mr Johnson, at COP26. And to say that it took him by surprise is the biggest understatement ever. He just was not expecting to have my polling uh, read out to him. And that made the front cover of one of our big newspapers here called The Daily Telegraph. Um, we had a massive fracking petition. For a time, we managed to get the uh, moratorium on fracking lifted. Unfortunately, it was put back in. Uh, the owner of the biggest uh, fracking company called Quadrilla, a guy called Francis Egan, uh, credited me and my organisation to actually stopping the wells being concreted over, which they were going to be. Uh, they actually, they still haven't been. So, you know, maybe there is still hope. We hope so. We want what you guys have, which is energy independence in America, to pretty much, well, much more than we have anyway. And yeah, our organisation is, um, we... I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but as this is an American thing, I am going to blow my own trumpet because you guys like that, don't you? So that's good. Um, when we started, it no one was questioning the whole thing. And if they did, they were called a climate denier. They were called mad as a box of frogs, fascist, Trumpian, all of that kind of stuff. And then slowly but surely, we just kept the pressure on. We, we had our very own unique take on it. We, we, as I say, we use humour. I did lots of different types of shows, not just um, political shows, but chat shows, comedy political things. Like I went in every different angle and um, slowly but surely, um, people started to come round. We started to get some big presenters on Talk TV, for example, then GB News, all started to come round to our way of thinking. And then, as I say, slowly but surely, we now have a situation where it's okay to question it. It's not seen that you're a nutter. And I do think that what we've done over the last couple of years, I mean, a very good friend of mine actually calls me relentless <laughs> rather than relentless. And we've had to be a bit relentless. We have to, we have, you know, um, I know talking about yourself in the third person is a sign of madness or egomania. So I apologize about that. 
but we, we've just kept going. And as I say, we've been making some real, real strides. Uh, recently, there was um, a by-election for an MP stood down and they had to put another MP up in their seat. And the Conservative government um, was expected to lose and they were expected to lose quite considerably in this particular seat. There was two other seats as well, which they did lose. They were 28 points behind in the polls, but they hung on to this seat. And the reason they hung on to this seat is because um, of a thing called the ultra low emission zone, which is basically a net zero anti-car policy that's being brought in by the London mayor, the Labour London mayor. And so suddenly our Tory government is thinking, oh, hang on a minute, net zero isn't anywhere near as popular as we thought. And literally in the last week, um, hundreds, if not thousands of um, new oil and gas drilling licenses have been have been granted. And, um, you know, the rhetoric has really, really changed. So I don't know, maybe seeing some light at the end of the tunnel uh, or the beginning, the beginning of that anyway, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, so, so that's us anyway. I'll shut up now. Yeah. No, that's well, great. Lois, I have a question for you. Are, are you familiar with the Global Warming Policy Foundation that's... and their Net Zero Watch organization there? Have you worked with them at all? Yeah, so I put my probably because my accent, I said that at the beginning, we do work alongside them. They have a slightly different approach to us. Um, we're much more um, con consumer public facing um, and we, we, we interpret their science and we try and oh, simplify is the wrong word. We, we try and make it more accessible and so that we can get more people on, on board. But yes, we work very closely with them. We have a lot of respect for the Global Warming Policy Foundation. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of questions. So mm. uh, we've known each other now a few weeks. Um, the a lifetime, Sterling. <laughs> a lifetime, yes. <laughs> Soon we'll be, we'll be friends on Facebook and that's a life. That's definitely a permanent thing, believe me. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... Um, I guess two questions. As you say, the government is now backtracking a bit on yeah. um, on their net zero policies. They've 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 seen the electoral writing on the wall. Mm. If they don't, I suspect. I suspect Labor is even reconsidering because they want to win elections. Maybe. Yeah, so there has been a little bit backpedaling. Yeah, they're going mm. to. They, they're going to do these thousands of leases in the North Sea. Do you think that'll change their perspective on the fracking? Because like you say, they didn't see many in the wells and, uh, and, and natural gas has become a big issue that it wasn't when these policies were put into effect, right? When, when you were getting uh, Russian gas before the war, um, oh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. you're not anymore. And, so I'm wondering if that will open up their eyes. And then the second question I have is, tell us a little bit more about the poll. I know it's a one-question poll. I, I wrote about yeah. it last week. Um, yeah. But, you know, the numbers of people who reject net zero went up. And in a uh, sort of a surprising segment of the population is where the growth came from. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll address the first thing uh, that you mentioned first. I do think um, that, uh, you know, that net zero is becoming... Sorry, could, could you just remind me what the first bit was that you said? You talked about net zero policies becoming more popular. Well, no, becoming popular. becoming less popular. And, and so uh, with the two political parties, both to some extent recognizing that, uh, oh, sorry, that yeah, their survival may depend to some extent on 
um, modifying their current policies. What does that yeah. have to do about? No, I think no, I think you're absolutely right. But obviously, it's worth remembering. And I, I, uh, the the mainstream media narrative during the whole Ukraine crisis at the beginning was, oh, this is pushing up energy prices. And I made the point. No, net zero policy is pushing up energy prices and the price of electricity and gas had been going up massively in the year to 18 months before the Ukraine war even started. So we should be fracking. But the, the problem is the ideology is so entrenched. I mean, we've got a situation where we have written these net zero targets, these reduction targets into law. Um, you know, so there would actually have to be a change in the law. It couldn't be just overturned by government policy. There would actually have to be a vote on it. And um, as I say, the law would have to be rescinded. So, yeah, Labour and the Conservative Party are both seeing that it's not a it's not a vote winner. But the problem that we've got, and this is another thing that we talk about, is if all of the political parties are broadly in agreement, who do you vote for? You can't yeah. vote. And they know that. So they can use all this rhetoric just before an election. Oh, you know, we're listening to the voters. We're listening to this. We're listening to that. But if they've still got it written into law that we have to do these CO2 reductions and they, they haven't reversed the ban on um, inter internal combustion engine vehicles by 2030, then it's all could be, you know, excuse the pun, hot air. You know, absolutely, um, absolutely ridiculous. But going on to what you were saying as well about the polling, so we did a one question poll added on to our other polling in 2021, and it was to, to what extent do you support um, or oppose climate lockdowns? Now, uh, I think it was 60% strongly opposed um, climate lockdowns, actually. But and that, then that had actually gone up in our recent polling by 2%, which is great. But the really surprising thing for us is the people that strongly supported climate lockdowns had reduced by 20%. And we, you know, it's not a surprise that the people who strongly supported it were, you know, would continue to strongly support it or a few more would strongly support it. But the big surprise is to have a 20% shift from people who were really massively loving the whole concept of climate lockdowns suddenly against it. That was a big surprise for us. It really was. And we thought, right, it's definitely coming our way. And, and um, yeah, and, and, and with the other polling that we did as well for the uh, net zero referendum, it's important to know, I mean, this this whole climate thing has been described in the UK as Brexit on steroids because it, it it's a libertarian issue, but it doesn't just affect us. It's a, it's a global issue. But it's important to note that of all of the categories, young, old, rich, poor, Tory, Labour, Brexiteers, Remainers, over 50% in that net zero referendum polling wanted a net zero referendum. You do not want to have a referendum if you want the status quo. So, But as I say, if all the political parties are supporting it, what do you do? The only party that's been against net zero is the Reform Party. And as I say, the um, honorary chairman of the Reform Party is Nigel Farage, who is a who loves you guys, by the way, and uh, wanted me to say hello. And um, I think he's watching, actually. Hi, Nigel. And he's a, been a big supporter of Car26 and, and, of, and of me and, and what we're doing. I mean, he did give me a, bit, a proper grilling, though, the first time he had me on his show. But, um, yeah, I, th I, I survived it.
So, uh, so now he's he's a supporter of ours. Yeah. Lois, you mentioned this is Brexit on steroids. Um, yeah. It, 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 I, I agree with that. But also I thought about something. You know, we have seen reports that the Russians uh, have been pushing, you know, driving some of these environmental groups um, because mm. it, it allows them to earn more money on their oil and gas exports. So essentially... You know, you could if that Russian influence is happening, and, and I'm wondering if you're seeing any of it there. But is is what we're really seeing here the Russian version of net zero going on? Net <laughs> <laughs> zero. I like that. We we'll have to use that. Well, I mean, in terms of the uh, anti-fracking uh, propaganda, you can only describe it as that. About ten years ago in the UK. It's all come out, in, and, and not on conspiracy websites, but in national respected newspapers like the Daily Mail. Um, you've got the Mail Online in the States, I know that. Um, that it was funded by Russian money because what? who benefits from us, not uh, the UK, not being energy independent? The people that are supplying us with the energy. You know, it's a no-brainer. So, so yeah, net zero. I, I like that. <laughs> well, no. I'd like to know how frustrating, I mean, you have it bad enough over there in the UK when both of your political, your major political parties are, you know, in cahoots on this kind of stuff. I mean, it really was, it was a shock to me. And I, you know, admittedly didn't follow it super closely, but I had across the pond here been under the assumption that uh, Boris was something of a you know, kind of conservative, the way that Americans would say conservative. Um, I know, it was a bit of a shock to us that he wasn't yeah. a conservative as well. <laughs> and so how, how disheartening is it when, you know, then you have um, President Biden who goes and supports something like the Russian pipeline and cancels that East Med pipeline that would have brought, you know, oil and gas from other countries through like Greece and Israel and stuff into Europe, and he withdraws support from that one, but supports the Russian one. I mean, how frustrating is that? I mean, you guys are being attacked on all sides from us too. So sorry. No, no don't worry about it. Um, it's insane, isn't it? There's no one, and you think, right? Well, what's really going on? I mean, that's that's the problem because if you actually look at the decisions that are being made, they don't seem to have any basis in any sort of rational thought whatsoever so you you have to think what what really is going on i mean unfortunately then it starts to make you think oh okay so are these individuals allegedly benefiting in some way personally from these decisions that they're making because the decisions that are being made certainly aren't being made for the benefit of us um unfortunately uh, boris johnson um and his father and his wife are all massive massive greenies and um yeah oh yeah the other reason stanley johnson won't come on uh television with me is because i mentioned the fact that he was in the pay of the chinese government uh which is that <laughs> which is actually factually correct. uh but yeah but um do you know when i saw him the other day he jumped I made Stanley Johnson jump. I was quite proud of that. But anyway, but, great. Yeah, but maybe you can do a. Pardon? I was going to say maybe you can do a protest where you glue yourself to him. 
to glue myself, Jim. Well, actually, on the Car26 uh, website, sorry, shameless plug now, um, you can actually buy stickers with my face on them. And it, they're just stop oil repellent stickers because they said that they won't appear anywhere where I am. So we had these stickers made for people to put on their cars and their offices and and all of that so and the the other the other thing yeah we talk about that on um oh well we've got <laughs> on the car 26 youtube channel and um, we've got a show uh, every week where we have guests and stuff as, as well so that's the second shameless plug i won't get told off now by lance foreman so that's good <laughs> so yeah um and then one more so i i've written quite a bit on this um you know, Sterling and I tend to go after the agriculture claims quite a bit because oh, they are yeah. some of the most um, transparently insidious targets of the climate cult. Uh, mm -hmm. So so we have written, I have written a lot about some of the British agriculture policies that have been going forward recently that are just mind boggling. I mean, I know that, you know, a lot of the countryside and stuff, they like to preserve their kind of agrarian, um, you know, the villages and stuff. But now mm -hmm. there's they're paying people like they do in some cases in the U.S. They're paying people to not plant their land and to let it go fallow. But you guys don't have a whole lot of land to do that with. I mean, how yeah, do you justify? I, I know. Absolutely. I mean, and um, over your side of the pond, obviously, you've got a lot more to, to play around with. We, we haven't. Uh, Again, it, it all it all just makes you think: what's really going on, and why why don't uh, why doesn't our own government want us to be energy independent? Why don't they want us to be able to produce our own food? Why do we have to have all these dependencies and weird deals and stuff going on with with other nations all the time? And and then then the threat of climate lockdowns, food shortages, all of that. It all seems to be, as I said, you know. It may not be deliberate, but if you if the food is expensive, energy is expensive, you can't afford to drive, bang, there goes the middle class. There's no middle class. There'll be the people that have got lots of money and the people that haven't, and no well, one in the middle. And you have to wonder about, you know, what the just average person reading the news, because I see a lot of the time in the newspapers over there, especially like Guardian stuff, but they're oh, kind no, of, you know, uh, they'll say they'll, they'll be blaming the grocers for having a produce shortage. They'll be blaming, you know, climate change for having a produce shortage when they're oh. actively trying to decrease the amount of produce that you can produce in country and trying to reduce the amount of fossil fuel use, which is, you know, what what uh, shipping those foods over to you uh, requires. So it's, um, you wonder if the average person sitting in their home reading the paper, uh, mm. if, if they make these kinds of connections all that much, or if they only, you know, really make the connection when they see that price tag or when they get pinged by the ULA zone or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, I think now it's affecting people very much so in their pockets and they're suddenly realizing they can't drive their cars as you said with the ULEs or and all the other things that are really really coming in now I mean all the stuff that I've been saying for the last two years I mean stuff that's happening right now when I said it initially originally I was told I was a mad conspiracy theorist and now you know now it is happening so yeah I do think that when it hits people's pockets they're more open to hearing other views uh, for GB News, which is the channel that I appear on regularly, thank, thank you, GB News. Um, they um, 
they they are the biggest uh, news channel now in the United Kingdom. They're bigger than Sky and the BBC. They're they're, they're twenty four hour channel and you know we're the fastest growing news channel as well so and the reason is because we're talking about this stuff nobody else is so yeah people are going to be force fed a diet from the mainstream media like the guardian and the bbc everything that you've just been saying but fortunately there is other there are other channels and um you know people just need to just speak up because you know, people want want to hear the other side of the argument, as you say, especially when it's affecting their their standard of living. You you've got sort of a unique problem over there, though. Uh, not only are you a smaller nation, but to some extent you're subdivided, uh, very strongly politically. So the Scots uh, are very different, much more green even than whatever is below Hadrian's Wall. Um, the Scottish part, you know, the, the Scots have cut down millions of trees to clear the way for uh, carbon, carbon reducing trees to clear the way for wind turbines. Uh, this just came out, right? So they're destroying the environment to save it. Uh, and then, yeah. And then Ireland is one of the farthest along with these agricultural policies that would put farmers out of business and, and stop, you know, producing food. So um the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, I believe the Republic that's right, not Northern yeah. Ireland. Well they're part uh, of the whole EU scam thing, you know, like they they love it or they they you know they want to be part of this sort of neo-Marxist organization where they're all sitting at home on universal benefit and there's no benefits and there's no economy and no one does anything and everyone just stares at a screen reducing their carbon output. They love it. It's, it's art. Cool. Yeah, they, 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 what do they do? They don't have any taxes on artists and actors and things like that. They, they want to be known as the arts, arts island, I guess. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, yes, yeah, so you've got all of the big uh, corporate, like Amazon and, and companies like that, are based in the Republic of Ireland because their corporation tax is uh, is so low. So on the one hand, they sort of want to be this sort of um, you, you know socialist utopia, but then on the other hand, they don't get anyone more corporate in terms of trying to get the you know the big boys over there and because of that they're not paying tax in them in england but that's another story the thing about scotland is obviously it's being governed by the snp at the moment they don't want to be part of the united kingdom obviously but they don't want to be independent they want to be ruled by europe so don't don't ever think that it's any sort of massive longing for independence they just they just want to stick two fingers up at the english they don't like us very much. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason. And that's why they've got all massively green because they're trying to impress the EU people. Mm. But but remember, Scotland voted to stay in the union. You know, they did vote to stay in. Yeah. Uh, before we get on to our final part of this, I want to remind our viewers that you can ask questions in the chat. And if you want to bring a question to the forefront, make sure it gets answered. Make a super chat out of it and, you know, throw a few bucks our way for that. Um, but we, um, we are going to be answering questions here shortly. Uh, Lois, I want to give you an opportunity to make a kind of a final statement before we get into questioning. Um, okay. And so if you could kind of summarize in, you know, an elevator speech, you know, with a couple of sentences, <laughs> what is it that you want to say to that your countrymen and women about net zero, 
What, what are you? What, what's the simplest thing you can say to them that would be most effective? All right. Well, first of all, I'll just I'll just do one little bit, and then I'll, I'll come on to that. I just want to say as well that Car Twenty Six, um, as an organisation, we are not funded by any big corporates, as you can imagine. Imagine what someone's ESG oh come is on, for. surely you're taking all that money from big oil and BP, right? No, we're not. Sadly, although if they want to send us some money, we won't say no. <laughs> we made the same pitch two weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now we're dependent on small donations. Uh, we've we've been lucky enough to have a few. Uh, big backers, but none of the, as I say, none of them are in the oil and gas industry. They're actually libertarian, prominent Brexiteers. Uh, but most of our funding comes from a small donation. So we can't do what we're doing without the public helping us. And if anyone wanted to offer us any support, it would be very gladly received because we can do, we've achieved a lot with not a lot, but we could do so much more. But in terms, right, okay, in terms of my fellow countrymen, I want my fellow countrymen to understand that net zero is nothing to do with saving the planet and everything to do with completely and utterly not just rejigging, but annihilating your way of life, whether you can drive, whether you can go on holiday, whether you can eat meat, whether you can even... Um, use the products that you right. want to use or, or even you know net zero will, will go beyond that and become in hate speech it would be about what you can say what you can do what you can spend your money on what all of those things so you know that that's true because always all of the policies that are brought in for net zero are never any greener and quite often if you believe that co2 is the climate control knob for the planet they actually produce more co2 anyway so i want everyone to be aware that this is this is neo-marxism for uh, the back door using climate realism use it sorry using climate change catastrophes catastrophizing to um to implement it and we must fight this with every fiber of our being because you know the net zero the net zero that they want is net zero you ultimately all righty so um that, that's a good summary of all of that. And really, you're right. There is no justification whatsoever. Net zero is not going to save the planet. It's all about power and control. So let's go thank to some of our questions. We've got I a few questions that have been... Uh, uh, Alan Griffiths sent two pounds but didn't ask a question. So um, thank you, Alan. Rocks and Oil sent $5 but didn't ask a question. <laughs> thank you. Anyway, uh, we'll yeah, take the money with much. no questions. Yeah, I mean, I want to point out that we're getting $2 and $5 while some of these Enviro protest groups are getting hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. And we're here, you know, we're struggling with pocket change. All right. But we'll we're see. happy for every donation we get. Absolutely. absolutely. And we do make really good use of it. Themselves. Yeah, with, Sorry. I think like Car 26, Heartland fights above its weight. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. We're so very speak. proud to be associated with you guys doing that polling. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we have a question here from Stevie. He says, how on earth can we turn this around, the constant bombardment of crazy claims on a daily basis, and can we ever return to some kind of normality? Uh, you know, that's probably the question of the year. It really is. Because in, until we get the media to start doing their jobs and reporting on this stuff, honestly, I don't think we're ever going to get there. Well, um, yeah, I, 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 all I'd say is, um, you know, what, what my great grandmother said, you just have to keep on keeping on. 
we, we know that we're, we're, we're on the right side of history. We know we're fighting the good fight, whether you have faith or not. You know, I believe that I'm fighting the good fight. And you just have to keep going. You just have to keep raising awareness and just have to keep telling people what's actually going on. And eventually, you know, they, they'll see that the emperor's got no clothes on and call out this absolute nonsense. That's what I hope anyway. All right. Chris Jagger asked this question. Lois, what do you think are the top three hooks you can use to get people to resist net zero? Oh, right. Okay. Well, I would say that they'd be to do with personal autonomy. So if you say to people that you won't be able to jump in your car um, and do what you want, if you're forced to have an electric car, it might not switch on. If you've been a naughty boy and you've said something wrong on social media, it could be remotely disabled. I'm not saying that has happened, but it could happen. I'd say um, in terms of getting people to resist net zero, do you really want an ineffectual heat pump in your house rather than, um, you know, rather than the effect, effective uh, boilers and stuff that you've got at the moment? So cold showers, not being able to drive, freezing cold houses in the winter. And, um, and thirdly, do we really want to eat... Um, veggies and insects for the rest of our lives because if farming is annihilated by net zero policy that's it freezing cold we can't go anywhere and we can't eat meat or dairy i'd say there'd be three pretty good hooks for me yeah you know when fine restaurants start offering you know cicadas instead of filet mignon um, <laughs> that's going to really turn a few people off i'm really looking forward to that day all right, next question. Doug Troyer, how will Parliament get involved to change these climate change policies? Well, I'm not sure, but I will say this. If Parliament does get involved, it won't be good. Uh, yeah, uh, so as I say, finally, because well, because we've got an election coming up and because the Conservatives saw what a big thing it was, the anti-net zero sentiment in the recent by-election in Uxbridge in England, you know, there's, there's, they're saying, oh, we're going to be granting these new licenses and looking at this law and looking at that law, looking at ULEs. But as I say, until you have a political party, a main, two op a, a, an opposing party with the first-past-the-post system that has a completely opposite view, it's so tricky to be able to change things. It really is. But, you know, we just have to just keep keep fighting and make the, the parties realise it is a vote loser, the, the net zero stuff. Yeah, okay. So, um, next question. Are climate, uh, Douglas Pollock writes, are climate lockdowns and or 15-minute cities coming anywhere in the United States? Well, um, I would say... Let's let Linnea take that one. Let's let Linnea take that one. I haven't seen any <laughs> evidence of it, but you guys, what, what yeah, do you think? Um, I, Biden has been petitioned by our far-left media to consider climate lockdowns. So I would not be surprised, and they have used um, the emergency powers idea several times. They've kind of alluded to it in different magazines. You know, like again, though, it's usually, so far, it's usually the further left or the ones that are more explicitly left-wing partisan magazines. It's not the ones that um, even pretend to have some level of neutrality, although, they really don't for the most part. Um, you know, even even Fox News posts all sorts of climate alarmist nonsense all the time. So uh, in terms of 
the media pushing it, I think we have seen a media push. Uh, in terms of actual like political leaders pushing for it, I don't think I've heard anyone say it explicitly, but I would not be surprised in the least if it started to become popular in on social media or something. 15-minute cities are an odd thing. Um, almost every city I've ever lived in uh, is a 15-minute city in the sense mm. that I can get groceries within 15 minutes. I can get to the laundry if I have to have laundry, you know, uh, if I have to have dry cleaning in 15 minutes. Schools are have always been uh, within 15 minutes. Um, I, I don't know a city where that's not true. Now, downtown metropolitan areas may be a different story. And that's because the real estate's so high there. There's not a grocer with profit margins for groceries. There's not a grocer in the world uh, in the United States that can can afford to set up a, a, a brand new supermarket in uh, downtown Dallas with real estate prices the, the, where they are. That's why there's places like Neiman Markets there. And if they did, knowing the demographic of the people in downtown Dallas, who think Whole Foods is where they should be shopping and can afford to shop at Whole Foods, they wouldn't buy from a, a, a Walmart neighborhood market because right. it's a mass produced, uh, you know, mass, mass, uh, they, they want their cheese just right and made in the right way. Uh, no Velveeta for them. Uh, so um, it's a mixed bag. Like I said, almost every suburb is 15 minutes. If by 15 minutes you mean, are there schools local? Yep. Are there grocery stores local? Yep. Are there convenience stores local? Yep. Usually there are theaters local, right? Even, even in the post-COVID age, there are uh, movie theaters local. Uh, so um, it's only in the, you know, major, melted, major downtown areas right. where the real estate is so high, so expensive. And the demographics of the people are not demanding these kinds of things. And so, you know, what are the what are the politicians in those cities going to do to lure uh, a Walmart neighborhood market there or a Kroger when, in fact, all the policies they've been imposing have been driving these people out of those areas? Yeah. Market Street in San Francisco doesn't have a single store open right now. That was a story a couple of days ago. They, they've literally driven every decent retailer out of the city and more are leaving every day. Um, and, you know, this, this all 15 minute cities concept is completely blown apart by the fact that the powers that be in local government are making stupid decisions embracing the wokeness downtown, you know, and that is driving out legitimate businesses. And so the whole 15 minute cities thing is just completely falling apart. And, you know, yes, the, the idea of a 15 minute city sounds great, but, you know, Domino's can't even get you a pizza in 30 minutes or less most times. So <laughs> you know, what's the point? It has to be, um, you know, your choice, though. I think the whole 15 minute city concept is is great. And as you say, the majority of places or a lot of places have it anyway, but it's when it's not your choice. So, like, for example, in Oxford and Cambridge, they, um, they, they're bringing in a, a thing where basically the, the city centre is broken up into zones. And say, for example, you live in, it sounds like an 80s futuristic movie, sectors, you're in that sector, they're in that sector. It's happening now, folks. The 80s is happening now. But um, if you happen to live on 
on the border, your road is there, and say your elderly grandmother is two roads along, and you have to you like to pick her up in the car for obvious reasons. You're only allowed a pass to go from that road to that road a hundred times a year. Um, otherwise, you have to go out of your road and all the way around the ring road of the city to come back and go all the way right back round. Mm. And if you go out. If you move two roads away, for example, if you happen to live on the border of, of a sector um, it, and you, it was out of your 100 passes a year, you'd be fined at £80, which I think is about $100. So you can imagine what that's done to the house prices in those areas. Fortunately, Canterbury was about to do it and they did a massive consultation and bizarrely for local government in this country that actually listened to the people and they've actually scrapped it. So that was a massive win. We really celebrated that last week, Canterbury. It's interesting, actually, if you wanted to look at it, like if, in terms of if, if we were at war, for example, if the, the places that they've gone for first are very interesting. And um, so you've got Canterbury. The Archbishop of Canterbury is the head of the Church of England. Very historic place, very significant symbolic place for uh, English Christians. Um, and then you've got Oxford and Cambridge. I mean, Oxford and Cambridge, the centres of learning for the entire English speaking world. They were targeted. It's almost like they were taking us down one by one. Right, we'll take down their centres of learning. Now we'll take down um, the head of the Church of England. I mean, it's just interesting how. Do you think? Going. Do you think that it was that we'll take them down, or that's where our where popular support with where support for this would be most popular because that's where the academic yeah. elite is. No, absolutely. I've been a bit. I'm, just, I'm having a bit of a play. Yeah, of course. It's big. It's, it's also because you've got high student populations there who don't have children, got no buying whatsoever to the area. They're allowed to vote, but they're not allowed, but they actually don't live in the area. They actually live somewhere else. So you've got huge numbers of very ideological 18-year-olds voting in council elections. And of course, they're not staying there, you know, so. But no, there is a big pushback, very big pushback. So we're feeling quietly confident, but we mustn't rest on our laurels. We're gonna double down. We're gonna double down. You know, I have a suggestion for you, Lois, a way to get some attention over there. I suggest you okay. put on a um, a bug cafeteria event where <laughs> basically you, you create a bunch of a bunch of these bug dishes, you know, that they're all so happy that for us to be eating in the future. And then, yeah. you know, invite people, invite people and get their reactions. I mean, that's going to be more powerful than anything. Yeah, just yeah. get Gates and Biden and all of the uh, all of the green fanatics. Let's get them all eating bugs. Excellent. There we go. All right, that's <laughs> all we have time for here on this edition of Climate Change Roundtable number seventy-four. Lois, I want to thank you for joining us from across the pond. And no, thank of course, you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And Linnea M. Sterling, thank you for being with us. Remember, everyone, to hit that like button and uh, to. Um, you know, continue to support us by visiting our websites, climaterealism.com and uh, also climateataglance.com. And then also uh, the year, the UK website, hopefully when they'll have the bug festival going at uh, <laughs> car26.org. And that's hopefully right. we'll get to tune in for that. Anyway, that's all we got time for. Thanks for being with us, everybody. I want you to have a great Friday and a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you.